You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 189. It's about what people feel, it's about what people think, and also what people remember of a brand. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I am thrilled that you're joining me here today. Right off the bat, I need to say, if you are not already part of the Gift Biz Breeze Facebook group, oh my gosh, what are you waiting for? We have something super special happening right now in that group for the holidays for you, and I want you to be a part of it. To get all the details and to know what I'm talking about, however, you need to go over and join the breeze. Joining is super easy. Just go on to Facebook, search for Gift Biz Breeze, and ask to join. With it being the holiday season and all, I also have another thing to share. I want to make sure you know about my newly released free masterclass. It's called How to Turn Your Hobby into a Business. How do you know if this is for you? Well, if you're starting a business right now, you've gotten that dream, but you're just not sure what steps you should be taking, this masterclass is for you. If you're already in business, but something just isn't clicking, it's not bringing in the sales, or it's just not performing the way you think it should, this masterclass is also for you. To check it out, just go over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. I look forward to seeing you over there. And for now, let's get into the show. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Sal Coombs. Sal is a branding and social media content specialist. Wait, let me back that up. Sal is my branding and social media content specialist. I've told her before that I want to keep her all to myself, but that's not nice. Nor would that serve all of you. Plus, you've asked for direction in this area, so I'm bringing you the best. Sale doesn't call herself a graphic designer, though, because branding is oh so much more. She escaped the corporate world in 2017 with the intention to sell digital products, so ebooks and courses. Sal never thought she'd be designing brands and social media graphics for clients. This came about completely unintentionally, simply by sharing her work with her coaching group. To her surprise, everyone said, I want that. Can you do that for me? Sal found her place in the social media space organically by learning what she's best at and what people need. Today, Sal has a content batching service and does custom brand work for clients, which is what she's doing for me. In fact, she's the genius behind the branding of my signature program, Makers MBA, as well as most of what you see online with Gift Biz Unwrapped. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce you to Sal Combs. Sal, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hello, Sue, from Australia. You didn't mention that one. (laughs) I didn't mention that, and I guess I should have. So it's Actually, early morning for you and mid to late afternoon for me, (laughs) right? 
I know. Isn't it crazy? We're at like, yeah, we're on different days, actually. Different days, but it's so mind boggling how we can talk and we're so far away from each other. Where are you in Australia? I'm in Tasmania, actually, a city called Hobart. So Tasmania is the little island, a little triangular island at the bottom of Australia that is still part of Australia. It just happens to be a small island. Got it. And because I was in Australia visiting before you and I even connected, unfortunately, but I know that there really are such things as Tasmanian devils. There really are. Yeah, I saw one in real life. (laughs) We don't have kangaroos hopping around the street, but I do actually have an echidna in my backyard here. So (laughs) no kidding. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, we are going to dive into the content here because I know everyone is just biting at the bit, waiting to learn all about branding and graphics and how that all could possibly fit in and help them to present their brand better. But before we do, you know, I like to start this a little bit differently. And that is by having you describe yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to tell us what color and what quote would be on a candle that speaks all you, Sal, what would it be? Okay, so this was actually a really hard question for me because there are shades of pink that I love and there are shades of pink that I do not love. There's shades of yellow I love and shades of yellow I hate. So, you know, for me to say one color is really difficult. So here's what I came up with. My color would be a lilac and that reflects me because I have trouble deciding on one thing. I get bored with one thing very easily. So a lilac is like, a happy medium between a pink and a purple. I'm not a crazy pink person. I'm not a crazy purple person. So lilac is halfway kind of in between. So that's the color. And the quote is, never underestimate your strength, never overestimate your weakness. And that really kind of rings home to me because I have found that it is so important to just focus on what you're good at and not get bogged down with what you're not so good at. Which is kind of what you talk about in your bio too, you know, that you found your place because you found what you were good at and then that people also needed it. So it merged together beautifully. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope you like that one. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, and I've always felt that way also about you because you're so just authentically you. And Gift Biz listeners, this is the first time that Sal and I are actually talking via phone or Skype as the case might be because we've been going through email so much. But it was really interesting, Sal, that we bonded so quickly. Like you really got my brand right from the beginning, you know, except for just a few tweaks we had to make. And I felt so comfortable with you right off the bat. So I think by you being uniquely who you are and me doing the same, that's when you really find good connections and the right people to work with for your business. Absolutely. I agree. Your strength can be another expert's weakness. Well, not so much weakness, but just, you know, not their specialty area. So yeah, it is all about complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses. Right. Perfect. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about your backstory and how you got into liking graphics and branding and all that. Yeah, sure. So I've been working for myself for about a year now. I come from the corporate background, which I think is a common theme, actually, amongst your audience. And what were you doing in corporate? What was your expertise there? I've always been in an all-rounder kind of position, like a digital strategy, online marketing, which has always been very broad. 
So when I was out on came out on my own, I kind of really struggled to find where my specialty was going to be because these days it's not like social media is a niche that you really have to find your sweet spot. So at the beginning, I was very much focused on strategy. And what I wanted to do was to sell an ebook teaching businesses how to do social media. But what happened was that I designed that ebook and I shared it with my coaching group. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, you know, you're really good at the design stuff. I want that. Can you do this for me? I mean, they were a little bit interested in the ebook, but they were more so interested in the design side of it. And it all just happened organically from there. And I was getting, you know, private messages saying, can you put together a quote for this, for this? And it all just, yeah, fell into place. And so now today my focus is on both social media content creation and brand design. But as I said at the beginning, I don't refer to myself as a graphic designer because I think branding is so much more. There's definitely a heap of strategy involved. There is. And I have to say, before you and I started talking, you know, I mean, yeah, I had a logo for my first business, the Ribbon Print Company. I have a logo for the podcast. But I never Mm -hmm. really had any type of imagery or branding apart from colors. You know, I pretty much claimed Mm -hmm. my colors, but I really didn't have, I mean, I felt like I had a brand because I had a name, I had a font I was using, and I had a color, but I was nowhere compared to where we are now. So talk a little bit about what branding encompasses and when you're saying branding, what that really means. Yeah, sure. Well, branding is so much more than a logo. It encompasses the words you use, the colors, the fonts, the imagery and photography, icons, patterns. It's everything. So it's not just about what people see. It's about what people feel. It's about what people think and also what people remember of a brand. So when I was working with you, we started with at the beginning of what we were actually trying to achieve. That was to reflect the strategy and what you teach in your course. The Makers MBA, right. We actually started backwards, I guess, because we started with Makers MBA. And then I'm like, okay, if this is the case, then what do we do with the rest of the brand? So we, I think, started backwards, but that's okay. We're all good now, thanks to you. Well, reverse engineering is definitely a strategy. And you wanted to reflect like the phases that you teach in your course, which is plant. You're going to have to refresh my memory here. Plant, grow, bloom, and blossom. Exactly. Yeah. And mind you, and I think this might be important for the conversation, I had already changed the graphics on that program twice. Nothing. I just wasn't landing what really felt good to me and what I really felt proud to present out to the market. Right. Okay. I don't know why, but I didn't. So anyway, so carry on. Okay. So we're talking about branding and why it's important, but it's just not you have font, you have colors, you have images, you have photos, because many people have all of those, but they still really don't have a cohesive brand. Yes. That's a very important word, cohesive. So what you want to achieve with your branding is that if you could show someone five pieces of your branding without even having your name attached to it, they would be able to recognize that it belongs to you. So that happens to me all of the time when I do posts and maybe I don't have my name on it. I get people saying, oh, I can already tell that you designed that because it's my style. 
So that is definitely one thing that you want to achieve with cohesiveness in your branding. So you represent a unique visual out to the market. So you don't look like just like everybody else, right? Yes, but everything that you do put out to the market should be consistent. You know, once we figured out the branding, we've gone as far as making sure that the Facebook pages, Instagram, everything looks similar. So everything, use that word again, cohesive, you know, everything kind of matches throughout. doesn't mean it doesn't change and get tweaked and look a little different. And certainly sizing is different, but the imagery and all of that is the same. Yes, that's exactly what you want to achieve. Okay. So it's a seamless experience from one platform to another. Okay. And I think that's really important to, you know, I've heard somewhere, and we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, that if you look totally different in different places, you confuse your customer first off. But then there's also an unconscious question about trust. Because if you're expecting imagery in a certain feel, if you're expecting one site and you see something and you kind of feel good about it and you want to know more about them and you go to another site and it looks completely different, then there's that doubt of like, wait a minute, what's this all about? Are they even professional? Who are they? Are they this one imagery and feel or are they the second imagery and feel? So it starts to bring up doubt when you're cohesive with your branding and your colors and everything, you're developing and solidifying trust with your customer, even on a subconscious level. Yeah, definitely. You want to avoid that feeling of disconnect. Disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, you don't have to be really strict because, for example, you asked me the other day that you wanted to tweak some of your posts to reflect autumn. Now, just because autumn isn't in your brand colors, that doesn't mean that you can't use autumn colors. It's a fine kind of balance between portraying your brand and portraying the mood and message of what you're putting out there. So if your brand happens to be pink and green, that doesn't mean that if you want to do something that's autumn themes that you can't bring orange in. That's totally fine. That's not what we're talking about by disconnect. Right. But we still had some of the same elements that are consistent throughout my brand, even with the orange colors there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's back this up then. So this is kind of an umbrella picture of what a brand is about and the importance of a brand. Would you add anything else before we start diving in deeper about how you would start figuring out your brand? Is there anything other on the top line that you think we should talk about? I just want to emphasize the importance rather than asking, what do I want my audience to see? You want to ask, what do I want my audience to feel? What do I want my audience to think? And what do I want my audience to remember? So there are three very important questions that you should prioritize over what do I want them to see? Okay, so think, feel, and remember. Yes, exactly. So I'm thinking what you would do is start with that, define what that should be, and then you get into starting to build a brand. So let's say we have someone who's brand new here listening. They're just starting their company. They've done all the Mm -hmm. preliminary things that I tell them to do before you start building your brand, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of other things to do first. But how does one start? What's the first step for building a brand? You've got your company name, let's say. But what about colors? Is that the first thing you start with, is figuring out your colors? Yes, I often start with colors. And I often start with the question of what are five words that reflect your brand's personality? And also those three questions that I just mentioned, the feel, think, and remember, that's Mm -hmm. what I would also start with. 
Okay, so you write those down and you have all Mm -hmm. of that figured out. Then how do you figure out what colors you would use to match this? Now, obviously, if you have a very light feminine brand, let's say, you're not going to be using dark brown or something. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But how about with all the colors that you have, do you start choosing colors you just like yourself? Can do, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of experimentation involved. And I would often start with gathering some inspiration. So gathering other graphics and branding that you love and then using that as inspiration, not imitation, of course. And yeah, so the initial phase is really just about experimenting, but it has to be a fine balance between, okay, what reflects my personality and what I like as the brand owner combined with what's actually going to appeal to your target audience. So just because my favorite color may be pink, that may not appeal to my target audience if I'm targeting men. That being said, I've seen plenty of men use a hot pink brand color to appeal to women. So it works both ways. Right. But I would say, based on just my experience, what we talked about just a short time ago, is you still have to really like the colors that you're going to be using because you're going to see them a lot (laughs) and they have to resonate with you in some way. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to love your brand. Like if you're going to do something creative and put it on show, you've got to own it and you've got to be proud of it and love it. Otherwise, the energy for it is just going to fizzle out. It's so true. Absolutely. You have to love it. Because I think it comes across in the way you speak, the way you represent your brand, everything if you don't love it. So, okay. So how many colors should you have? What's too little and what's too many? Okay, I love this question, and I have a annoying answer for you. Because don't you hate it? <laughs> don't you hate it when someone says there's no right or wrong answer here? However, I am going to give you a guideline. So the really, I recommend choosing one or two primary colors, and then a handful that may be three or four secondary colors that you can mix in with your primary colors. So one or two primary and then three or four secondary colors. Okay, but this does not mean that you put all these in your logo. This means that you're using them for graphics throughout all your sites, right? Yes, exactly. It's very rare that you'll probably just use one color alone. Unless you're black and white, I guess. Yeah, and another step that you want to take when designing your brand is to list all of the brand touch points where you're going to be having your brand on show. So your business cards, your website, your social media platforms, any merchandise. If you have a physical store, the window signage, everything. You want to list all the brand touch points where someone is going to see your brand. Why is that important? So you can design for it. By sizing, you mean? Not so much backgrounds. You want to know, okay, well, is the logo or is the branding going to be featured on a busy background or a white background? All of those things matter. What you need in your branding is flexibility and versatility because sometimes your logo and your branding may be on a white background or it may be on a busy photo background. So you need different formats and versions of your brand assets to be able to work in with different backgrounds and various environments in which your brand is placed. Completely understand that. And Gift Biz listeners, if you want, you could go over to my Instagram account 
and see it in play, Gift Biz Unwrapped, and Sal, yours too. Yeah, absolutely. And since we're talking about that, we're going to get back to all of your touch points later in terms of where people can contact you. But what's the name of your Instagram account? Sal Francis. Sal Francis on Instagram. So at Sal Francis. So go take a look at that. And I think there is also where you're going to start seeing when Sal's talking about how people can just look at an image that she has and they know it's hers. I totally do, Sal. When I open up my phone and I'm starting to go to Instagram, I can always tell which ones are yours right away. (laughs) Yes. Back on the colors. I just wanted to talk about there are really no hard, strict rules here because you can have a brand such as Coca-Cola or Cadbury Chocolate or Starbucks. They have, you know, you think of one color for them. Coca-Cola is red, Starbucks green, Cadbury is purple. However, then you have other brands such as Google and eBay, Britstagram that have multiple colors combined into them and they both work. So I just wanted to emphasize that, that there are no strict rules when it comes to color. But I think there are strict rules. Once you decide on colors, you want to make sure that color is consistent everywhere it goes, which gets to hex codes. Yes, absolutely. Okay, share with everybody, just in case people don't know, I want to make sure we, everyone gets to stay on the same page as we're going through here. What are hex codes? How would you find your hex codes, et cetera? Okay, the non-technical answer here is a hex code is a six alphanumeric code that defines exactly what color it is. There are 50,000 shades of pink. There are 50,000 shades of yellow. So what the hex code does, it actually stands for red, red, green, green, blue, blue, RGB, which when you're designing for the internet, we work in RGB. As I said, there's 50,000 shades of pink. So a hex code is going to define exactly what shade of pink. So that when you are designing for one thing and then you go to design for something else, as long as your colors are the right hex code, then you're going to get the same shade of pink. Yes, exactly. So I know that you can go online and you can look on a monitor and choose hex codes, but is that the best way to do it? Yeah, so if you're at the beginning phase of designing your brand and you kind of have an idea of what colors you want to use, like just say you want to use like a kind of a mango type orange color. What I would actually do is just Google mango Pantone hex codes. And then you're going to come up with a heap of images showing mango colors and they're going to have the hex codes. That being said, I wouldn't copy the hex code exactly. What I would do is I would tweak it slightly so that you've got that color mango that you're after, but you've just tweaked it slightly. Got it. Okay. So you mentioned Pantone here, and I know Pantone very well because that's in the printing field where I come out of. Could you then just go to, let's say, a paint shop, get some paint chips and get a feel for kind of the Pantone color that you like and then bring it into the computer and then tweak it? Yeah, absolutely. You could do that. What I would actually do is I would take a photo of it, take a photo of the sample, and then there is a tool called Colorzilla that is a browser extension and it allows you to kind of, what do you call the dropper? (laughs) Yeah, the dropper and it brings up the code. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's called Colorzilla, Z-I-L-L-A? 
Yes, that's right. Colorzilla. And I'll put that, you guys, in the show notes for you. Okay, so now we have a business name. We've gotten our colors, a couple of the colors we're going to be using for a logo. And then we've got our three to five secondary colors. I don't know what we're going to do with those yet because Mm -hmm. we haven't gotten there, but we've got all our colors and we have our hex codes. So we know specifically what tones and we like how they all fit together. I mean, I think that's important too, because you don't want to have light lime, light lemon, light orange, and deep, deep purple grape, I'm thinking. You want them to kind of all work together. Yeah, exactly. That really just does take experimentation. And I guess you could ask opinions from other people, but let's say, okay, we've gotten to the point where we've got all the colors then. What do you do next in terms of making it a real brand? Okay, I would next probably look at fonts and I would choose probably two or three fonts that are going to work. Again, you want to achieve this versatility and flexibility so that you have a set of fonts that you can rely on for your wording and language that you use. And what you want to achieve is a font hierarchy so that for when you're using bold, strong words that you want to stand out, you use this font. When you're doing, you know, a softer quote, you use this font. And what you want to do is kind of try and match your fonts with the mood of your message. So if you're doing, you know, a cheeky little quote post, then you're going to want a font that kind of portrays that cheekiness as well. Got it. And then you always stick with those fonts. Yes. Again, there's no real... I knew you were going to say that. I didn't know. (laughs) For the most part, as a rule, with exception. Yes, exactly. Yes. You definitely want to have a set of fonts that you use consistently that achieve that hierarchy of, right, this is the font we use for bold and strong words. This is the font that we use for body text, like smaller details. And this is the font that we use for quotes. Okay, perfect. Now, with me, the next thing that we did was we started figuring out what imagery I don't know, do you call my flower an icon or a brand symbol? I don't even know what the word would be. Icon or symbol, yes, I would use that. Probably an icon. Okay, does everybody need something like that? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. It comes down to what we were trying to achieve. And we were trying to reflect the plant phases that you teach in Makers MBA. But at the same time, we didn't want to make your brand look like a gardening business or a flower shop. So it was important to kind of bring the flower in as a representation of those phases, but not too strong. Yeah. And that's the problem I had with my prior two rounds of branding is they just look too like I was selling garden flowers or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Versus phases like it looks like now. Yeah. Okay. So I think for the sake of conversation, so you might have an icon that you would continue to use or you might not. Yes. It kind of depends. And I would guess also it will depend on your logo. If you have a busy logo that already has a graphic attached to it, you don't need to add more to the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Some logos are just text. So it might be a name in a particular font. Some logos have a graphic or an icon. There's cases, some logos may just be a graphic. There's all kinds of scenarios. But again, it comes down to, you know, what are you trying to reflect? 
a question comes up to me that I really never thought of until we've been talking about this. One of the things that I didn't like when I continued to try and brand Gift Biz Unwrapped is what I kept hearing and seeing in terms of samples coming back to me, not from you, Sal, but from other people, were like bows and a gift or like that type of thing. And that wasn't what I was trying to do because it's the gifting industry, but I'm not talking about necessarily a gift. So now the flower does have grounding because it's part of my signature program. And we agreed that on the Gift Biz Unwrapped portion, we're not going to show everything, the plant grow bloom, like all of the icons, because people wouldn't even understand that. So we just pulled one icon. That's the one that represents Gift Biz. But it's a flower, which in a little bit disconnects from Gift Biz. But I'm getting to the point where people really do know those images are mine, just like you're talking about before. So is it okay to have an image that's separate really from your name, like we're doing? Absolutely, most definitely. In fact, I would actually recommend that because what you want to achieve is to have something that is memorable so that when your audience sees a yellow flower as they're going about their day, they may not even be on social media, they're going to think immediately of you. So that is a strategy to be top of mind and you know, get in your audience's head. I know that if I was at a market and I saw beautiful yellow flowers, I would probably take a photo of them and then tag you. Oh, yay. On social. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. You can do that anytime you want. <laughs> yes. But when it comes to the imagery, and if you guys look and see my flower, it's still very simple, right? Yes. Well, it's got some shading Absolutely. there. But in terms of the image, it's actually very simple. Is that intentional? Yes, you always want to have clean, uncluttered imagery. And also, let's talk about consistency again. It's not just a white or black flower. We incorporated both colors so that the white, yellow and black all tie in together. And we kind of keep that style consistent through across all of your touch points. Mm -hmm. And then we can play off that flower too. Like sometimes it's lighter yellow. Exactly. Yes. You know, coming like from the background as if it's like shaded out or something. Yes. Different angles. Yeah. Sometimes we use it once. Sometimes we create a cluster of flowers. So it really has that versatility, but it's still consistent. Wonderful. Okay. So then as our listeners are building up their brand, so then they can decide, am I going to have a similar icon? Am I not? And so they make that selection. So now they've got, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, all the elements that they need, and they understand mm -hmm. that you need to have a similar presence across different platforms. Now, what do you do with all of this? What do you even post on social media, and how does all that work? Sure. In a professional way, not haphazard like most of us have done for so, so long. <laughs> Okay, so one thing we haven't touched on yet is actually what tool or platform you would use to design your brand and create all your graphics. And some of your audience may find it interesting, but I am actually Team Canva. I'm sure most people know what Canva is, but Canva is like the most simplest version of Photoshop that you can possibly use. Yes, it does have some limitations, but I think the simplicity of it far outweighs those limitations. So I do all of my branding, all of my graphics, everything in Canva. So I would create my color palette, create my font set, 
the icons, the logo, everything is all set up in Canva. And what you did, and I didn't know you could do this. Now, I'm a big Photoshop girl because I was doing graphics way before Canva was even around. And I didn't really gravitate to it fully until you and I started working together. But everything that you've made for me is now in Canva, and I absolutely love the platform. So what you did is you separated out, like all my brand colors are sitting there, right? And you've Mm -hmm. separated out templates that are right there for me to access anytime. Or my virtual assistant or whoever we have working in the account can go in there and grab whatever they need. It's all sitting in one place. Yes, you just said a keyword there, Sue, and that is templates. So once you do have all your brand elements together, the next step would be creating templates, incorporating those elements. And we come back to that point of, in the beginning, listing out all your brand touch points. So now you can create templates for all of those touch points. So you want templates for your blog posts, templates for your social media banners, templates for your social media posts, templates for your website. So yes, templates are definitely the next step after you have your brand elements all together. Perfect. And all of the templates then are stored there. And the great thing about Canva too, is that you don't have to go figure out what size those templates should be. They already have everything sized right inside the Canva app. That is correct. Yes. I don't think I've Googled in like the last year or so what is the size for a Facebook cover or yeah, it's all sitting there for you. Beautiful. And I think it's worth mentioning here that a Facebook post sizing is different than Instagram is different than Pinterest, etc. Even if you're looking at putting the same message and virtually the same imagery, you still want to have it sized for each platform unto itself. Oh, yes. Definitely. And that's the additional bonus of Canva is that you can do that with the press of a button. You do need to have the Canva for business version to be able to duplicate and resize your graphics. It's a small price to pay for such a huge time-saving benefit of having that flexibility. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so, oh, the other thing I just want to make mention to people who have not been familiar with Canva and you're hearing this for the first time It is available on mobile and desktop also. So you've got both play no matter where you want to go. So it really is the perfect solution. I'm loving it more and more. And I'm being really bad because I can just spend a whole lot of time there when I should be doing something a little more challenging because just I want to go in there and play around, you know, (laughs) I shouldn't. I need to be doing some other things. It is a lot of fun. And I encourage all of you to go in and look at it. It's really, really well worth it. And they've got ready-made templates too that you can use. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think of those? Their ready-made templates are a great start. However, I've seen a couple of clients struggle with adapting the templates to what their message is. Oh, you can sway away from your branding then, I think is what you're saying, if you're not careful. Yeah, exactly. But I think that we'd all be lost without the templates. They are a great start. But my biggest recommendation with Canva is to just practice and experiment any tool that you use in your business. It takes a little bit of time to get used to. So yeah, just set aside a couple of hours for yourself to just play in Canva, you know, without any pressure of having to have a, you know, a graphic out in 10 minutes. Just have fun and play with it. I'm sure they have tutorial videos. If not on YouTube, I'm sure there are tutorials of how to use Canva. Yeah, exactly. 
So how many templates, let's say for a starter business, how many templates should they create just to get started, to have a presence online? Okay, if we're talking about just online and digital platforms, I would probably say around five to 10. So you want templates for your social media posts. You want templates for your social media cover banners and then any website graphics that you have. Every business is different depending on those touch points, but I think kind of five to 10 is a good starting point. Okay, and could some of the template versions be just changes in the color, changes in maybe a border, or how do we make the different templates look different yet stay within brand? Yeah, so the templates can be different. And again, it comes down to thinking about, okay, where is this graphic actually going to be placed? Like what environment is it going to be placed? Is it going to be on a white background? Is it going to be in the feed where it's, you know, amongst a heap of photos? And this is relevant. So when we were designing your brand, we had to consider that your logo and thumbnail was going to be on the podcast, on the Apple podcast feed. Right. So we had to design for that, which it already has a border around it. When you upload your thumbnail to Apple iTunes, it automatically places a faint border around it, I believe. So it wouldn't have made sense for us to have a border on that graphic. So you really need to see the big picture of where each graphic is going to be placed and designed for that environment. Perfect. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so I want to just summarize where we are up to this point, because I think from start to finish, this gets us to all of the elements of the brand. You're going to correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, this is a little test, Sal. So jump in anytime if you need to. The first thing is to just think from the audience's perspective, what vibe, that's the word I like to use with connecting with a brand, what vibe are you trying to portray? So you want to think of five words that give your brand personality. And then you also want to say, how will this make your customer think, feel, and remember? So that's number one. Number two then is colors. One to two primary colors, three to five secondary colors. Make sure to get your hex codes. Make sure they complement each other. I guess I would say they'll they'll end up going together. So you do all that. Then you also look at your fonts and your fonts are going to be two to three styles and you'll use them for bold words, lighter words. So whichever font you use, you keep them consistent when you're actually putting the verbiage down. And I think I need to slip in a little bit before that maybe at the very top, what are all the touch points of where all of this needs to land? Then after you've got all of that, then you do your five to 10 templates and you have at least the visual aspect and all the elements of your brand then ready to go. Is that right? How'd I do? You did brilliantly. One thing I will just touch on is that when you are doing your templates and that you're placing your text and your fonts over your brand colors, you want to make sure that there is a high contrast between the font and the background. Otherwise, the text gets lost. So, for example, sometimes white text on pale yellows can be very hard to read. So as a general rule, kind of dark fonts are going to stand out on light backgrounds. And of course, light fonts are going to stand out on dark backgrounds. Perfect. Okay. So 
moving on because we have to, and I'm not going to let you go, Sal, without talking about this because I think it's so important. Some of your genius is in the Holy Bible, and that's still available, isn't it? The Holy Bible is still out there. The Holy Bible is still available. However, it has a different name. So last year, I released the social media Holy Bible that was all donut themed. And I ended up changing the name because donuts just weren't resonating with me. It was great in that people loved the donut graphic. However, it just, it wasn't me. So that comes back to the point of, you know, if you're going to do something creative, you have to own it and you have to love it and feel really proud and comfortable with it. So yes, the resource is still available. However, it has a different brand name now, and that is the Snackable Content Guide. I didn't know that they were one in the same, actually. I thought yeah. the Snackable Guide was a second freebie, but that makes sense. And oh my gosh, you guys, I've had a chance to see actually both of them. And if you want to have some serious content delivered and such valuable advice, you absolutely have to go and grab the guide. Tell us where they would go to get that since we're talking about that right now, Sal. Yeah, so they can find that on my website, which is salfrancis.com. Could not be easier with that. Okay, and what's in the guide? Do a little pitch. Tell everybody why they want to go and they want to get it immediately. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the Snackable Content Guide has over 100 social media post ideas with actual visual examples. So I'm really focusing on this concept of snackable content, which is, you know, those small, quick, easy to digest graphics that stand out on social media and immediately trigger engagement. So the guide runs you through kind of 10 categories of these posts where, you know, 100 specific post ideas of topics. And I think the most valuable thing in the guide that really helps is the visual examples. So it's jam-packed with visuals. It is jam-packed. It is jam-packed for sure. Love it. Yes, absolutely. If there is one freebie of all the podcasts we've done that you absolutely want to be grabbing, it's this one for sure, hands down. You've done a fabulous job with it, Sal. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's give a message from you to anyone who's just starting out, just reinforcing why going through and doing all of this is so important. All of the things that we've talked about with branding, I believe are most important for staying top of mind with your audience. So the consistency, you want to be easily recognized when people are scrolling on social media. You kind of, the goal is to get in their head all the time. When they see things as they're going about their day, they're reminded of you because that's what your branding has achieved. Perfect. I love the goal is to get in their head. I'm writing that down. That's perfect. We may need to use that as a quote, just FYI. (laughs) And you can attribute it to you. How about that? And I can create it for you. I know. I know. So if as listeners, you'll be seeing that on my Instagram page at some point here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Sal, I am so, so happy that you agreed to come on. And you have given us such valuable information. I know for sure, just in talking to several of our listeners here, that this is exactly what they need at exactly this time. So it's so perfect. And you've been so wonderful. Now what I'd like to do is reverse this on you and allow you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. 
It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Okay, tough question, but a good question. I don't know exactly what the business model would be, but it would be something along the lines of learning and creating at the same time. So if I could spend my days achieving both of those things, learning and creating, that would be my ideal world. So I have this kind of vision of perhaps my day would be spent listening to inspiring, influential businesswomen talk about their journey and how they've got to where they are. And then me creating all of those sound bites and golden nuggets into visual graphics. That would be my ideal world. I love it. Oh my gosh. And that's exactly the business that you have morphed into, right? Yeah. Because you're saying that you just left corporate pretty much a short time ago and thought you were going to do one thing. And now you've kind of changed the landscape based on the reactions that you're getting. I mean, it's kind of brand new for you to be doing this, but... It's exactly what you just described. I mean, I just love this concept of taking sound bites and just one sentence kind of lines from inspiring words and then turning them into a visual graphic that then just instantly resonates with the audience. Like, you know, when you just see, you know, a sentence or a quote or a line and you just go, oh, yes. And it applies to so many different areas of your life, your personal life, your business, And people just, yeah, get it. (laughs) They're getting it. They share it. They comment on it. And that's exactly what you want is all that engagement. Exactly. Yes. So you get to listen to everything and then also work at the same time. Yeah. That sounds pretty much the best of both worlds, if you ask me. (laughs) Yep. Learning and creating. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. So... SalFrancis.com is the website. You know there'll be a show notes page, Gift Biz listeners, so you'll be able to also see all the links to Facebook, Instagram, anywhere you want to see Sal. Is there one place in particular besides your website, Sal, that you would suggest they go just to see a demonstration of the different templates and the different ways you can make your fonts bold and not bold and the snackable and all of that? Where would you send them for that? Yeah, absolutely. I would love for people to come and visit me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Sal Francis. And come leave me a little yellow flower or a yellow heart so that I know that you came from Sue's podcast. I was going to say leave me a yellow emoji, but (laughs) they're all yellow. So leave me a yellow heart or a yellow flower so I know. Perfect. I love that. I'm going to send you a bunch of hearts. (laughs) as I always do (laughs) yes I appreciate all the way across on like the other side of the world us being able to coordinate this and I know on behalf of all my listeners we've gotten so much out of this thank you Sal thank you for having me and as an additional holiday gift to you If you've been listening to the sponsor of this podcast, you know that we promote custom ribbon printing. If this is something on your wish list and you would like to know about a holiday promotion for a custom ribbon printer of your very own, get in touch with us via email sales at theribbonprintcompany.com to learn more about your very special holiday offer. 
This promotion is only available through November 30th, 2018. If you're listening right as this show goes live, you have a couple of weeks left to take advantage of this offer. Here's some more information from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. That's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast.